<laughs> First of all, I wanted to thank everybody for, for like supporting us as missionaries. We are with the International Mission Board, and so we're an extension of the work that you're doing. And so I think there are like 47,000 Southern Baptist churches across the country. They all gather together and uh, through the cooperative program, and of course the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that's coming up here in December. And so they, that's what supports about 5,000 of us that are overseas. Uh, and so, we're, so we just want to say thank you. And so one of the reasons that we wanted to come back here to California is because somebody told us, he said, we never see any missionaries in our church. And we're going, well, we're going to change that. So we showed up here in California. Um, but I want to introduce first my wife, Salva. <laughs> Salva is originally from Barcelona, Spain. So if you have any questions about Barcelona, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I may say Barcelona, but anyway. <laughs> and then this is our daughter, Adrian. She just graduated a year ago from Cal Baptist and is now working just up the road in. Yeah, so we're glad to have her here visiting. So anyway, I want to tell you a little bit about us. Uh, We can throw a slide up there. And so we are serving in Spain. We're in Madrid, and Madrid is right in the middle of the country. It is the capital of the country. And I think that that Madrid is probably the most strategic uh, Spanish-speaking city in the entire world. And it may be one of the most strategic cities right there in, uh, in Europe because uh, everybody from Africa comes up through Madrid to go into the rest of Europe. People from Europe come down to Madrid to vacation. You know, and what happens in Madrid affects the entire Spanish-speaking world. So that goes across the ocean to South America too. So, so we think it's one of the most strategic places and that's why we're really you know, focused on trying to uh, reach people there. Um, you know, we have a lot in common, I think, with, with California. And I want to introduce myself in that respect because a lot of times people think, okay, he's come in, uh, he doesn't know anything about what's going on here. Um, I, I was born in Burbank, okay, yay, go Burbank. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I went to Bible college originally in uh, San Dimas. I finished up my first degree in, in Southern California Seminary down in El Cajon. Then I moved up to Gateway, got a couple more degrees there. Uh, pastored a church, co-pastored a church in San Marcos in North San Diego County. You know, so for me, coming back to California is nothing new. And then we, when we got married, we ended up spending a year here in California uh, in San Marcos. And so uh, we just feel comfortable to come back. But really, as I said earlier, somebody said, missionaries don't come to our church. We don't know missionaries. And so we definitely wanted to change that. And so that's, that's why we want to visit, want to talk with all of you, you know, and, and just share what God's doing over there and find out what God's doing here. You know, so it's, it's one of those things there. So I wanted to share a little bit about the Great Commission. And the reason being, uh, you can pass it on to the next slide there. Barna did a survey in 2018. And what they ended up saying was that a majority, 51% of the believers that they surveyed did not know what the Great Commission was. 
And I thought, wow, okay, well, at least 49% did. But then when you read further down in the, the survey, it says only 17% actually could articulate what the Great Commission was. Now, I know, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here because as I was talking with uh, Pastor Kendrick, he said, you guys have been going over the Great Commission. So I know you guys are an exception to the rule. You know what this is all about. So I really feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But you know, as, as Peter says, you know, I, I, well, I, or the Bible tells us to repeat things because that's how we learn. So repetition, I think, is going to be good. So what I want to do is I want to talk about the Great Commission, but I want to lay it out as a framework or as a backbone and then share a little bit about what we're doing in Madrid, Spain, and kind of hang it on there with the different slots that we see in the Great Commission here. Let's go on to the next slide. I want to give you three foundational thoughts. And before we jump into the Great Commission, which you all know about and you could probably quote, I want to give you three foundational thoughts. The first one is in Mark 16, 15 through 16. And it says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That, world, that word creature, ktesis, in Greek is actually a word they use for animals. So I don't know if you guys you know, share the gospel with your dogs and cats and <laughs> gerbils. I don't know what you, <laughs> you know. But basically, I think he's trying to get the point across. The gospel needs to go to everybody. You know, there are no exceptions. Can you all hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure here. Um, so the gospel goes to everybody, and it's something that we're supposed to share with everybody. He goes on to say here, he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned. This is the why behind all of this, because it's like it, baptism comes after salvation. Salvation is the key thing. That's what we're supposed to be getting out and telling people about, because we know if they don't respond to that, they are condemned. So there's a why for what we do, and I think this is what really motivates us. The next verse is in John 20, 21 through 22, and I think pastors just preached through that. So you probably can quote this one too. But it says, Jesus said to them, peace be to you. I, I wonder, why did he say peace to you? And I think it was because he just popped into the room and he walked through a closed door. Can you imagine? You know, it's like, Whoop, hey, <laughs> peace guys, you know, chill. <laughs> you know, so peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. Okay, so we are to be sent ones. We've got the why. We've got the most important message in the world, but we're sent, okay? So this is an important concept. And then he said, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, now this wasn't the Pentecostal, you know, thing where they re he received the Spirit and that was the power. This was kind of like a, um, a foretaste of that, but this enabled them to go out and do some ministry work at this point prior to 50 days later when, they, when the church did receive, you know, the Holy Spirit. So we've got the, I'm, you're, you're supposed to go out and share the word because people that don't hear are condemned. Um, receive the Holy Spirit, okay, you're empowered, and uh, the Father has sent us, okay. So then we're, and, the, and verse uh, Acts 1 through 8 says, Acts, excuse me, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you shall receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Or you shall be witnesses to me in West Hills, okay, California, the United States, and the rest of the world. So I really want us to consider, 
you know, what we're doing and, and look at the Great Commission with this light. We're sent ones, we're empowered, and we've got a responsibility to take this gospel to the rest of the world. Let's go ahead and flip to the next slide. The Great Commission, I just want to read this. It says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So let's break this up. Go to the next slide. We're going to take a look at these a couple verses at a time. It says the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some, were, some doubted. So it's idolatry if you worship anything besides God. The fact that they worshiped him is basically telling us, as we sang in the song, fully God, fully man, you know, he is God. So we clarify that. But then it said some doubted. And I thought, this is kind of interesting, you know, that some people doubt. But a lot of times, and I want to bring some principles out as we go through this that we've learned on the mission field that would also apply here. And I want to learn things that you've applied here that we can also take to the mission field. But I think there is a, a doubt that we do have sometimes. And the word here for doubt is not the word that means they totally doubted the, that he was God. It's a word that implies hesitancy. It's a word that imply, implies fear. And I think a lot of times when we go to take the gospel out, there is fear. We know we've got that responsibility. We know we've been sent. We know we're supposed to take it to the ends of the earth, but there's a hesitancy. And so I, I just wanted to say that we do have that doubt, but the thing is, um, doubt is one of those things that we're supposed to, I think, we understand that we've got it, but it doesn't keep us from taking the gospel. I mean, we can't let it keep us from taking the gospel, you know, to the ends of the earth. Let me flip through a couple more slides here. I'm working off two things. Um, you know, because I was thinking about Paul, because he said, um, I was with you in weakness and in much trembling, in fear and much trembling. Even Paul, the great apostle Paul, was preaching the gospel, like it said in 1 Corinthians, with a lot of fear and trembling. So it's good because I think it keeps us totally dependent upon God. You know, we don't want to be doing things, you know, in our own strength. Uh, we want to be depending upon God, you know, and praying as we go. And so uh, is anybody here fearful when they share the gospel? I just want to get a raise of hands. Okay. If, if it helps, Pastor Kendrick raised his hand, okay? So now everybody should raise their hands, no. But honestly, that's how it is. And if I thought that I would be in Madrid, Spain, when I first accepted Christ a few decades ago, um, I wouldn't have done it. You know, I'm going like, what? You know, go to another country, learn another language, uh, you know, and it's like, but the thing is, God has enabled us to do that. As we've read in those first verses, he's empowered us through the Spirit. You know, there's, it's funny, I think you've been teaching through John, but it also, there's one point where it talks about the, the Holy Spirit in us gushes out like rivers of living water. You cannot keep it inside. It's almost like Jeremiah putting that coal in his mouth. Mm, you know, I mean, he didn't want to share the word, but it was like a burning coal in his mouth. And so I think that's how it is. When you go places, whether it's to work or to school or to uh, the, the clubhouse at the retirement village or to the hospital or wherever you go to the supermarket line, 
rivers of living water are, are just flowing out of you. That's how it's supposed to be. I think that's what we're called to be doing. Because he's given us marching orders, you know, in the church to go into all the world. And so this, this courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is going ahead and doing what you're called to do in spite of the fear. Okay? So let's just take a look at the next uh, slide there. It says, Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. I love the fact that he came near to them because do you remember what just happened? Well, there was the resurrection, but you know what was happening with these guys? I mean, did anybody deny Jesus? Did anybody flee? You know? Yeah, they, they kind of ran and hid. I mean, I think only John was there at the, at the cross, you know, when Jesus was crucified. So you've got a bunch of people that they show up. Here's Jesus. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know how you would react, but I would... I would be totally humbled, like, man, I've blown this, you know. He can't use me. I'm obviously, you know, a loser, you know. I, I fled. I denied him. I'm big D. I don't know how you'd do that, you know, dunce hat, you know, whatever. But the thing is, he's basically saying, you know, he, it's like he came near to them. And I thought, man, isn't that our God, you know? Because we're all in that situation, but he's come near to us. And then he gives them these words. He says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. All authority. Not just a little bit of authority, but all authority. Have you ever done something and you've got the authority of maybe your boss at work, you know, or the band leader, or um, the school teacher, or the coach, and he goes, go do it, you know, and you can do it because you've got that authority. Now imagine you've got the God of the universe, the creator of all things, going, all authority I have, you know, and then he tells us to go, to, to do these things. I mean, to me, that's kind of exciting. And so, uh, let's look at the next verse here. This is where the great commandment comes from. Okay, so we've got it here. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Excuse me, what's the therefore, therefore? He's basically said, I have all authority. Therefore, what does he say? Two letters. Go. Got, who got it? Who said it? You win. Okay, there's a prize, right, Pastor Kendrick? No, it's like go. Seriously, it's, it's as simple as that. I make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, I know you, I think, was uh, Don Dent here last week? Okay, and what did he talk about? Do you remember? He says we're to make disciples of all nations, right? And didn't he talk about the Greek, the panta, ta, ethne? To make disciples of all nations. Well, you know, it's funny. That word, uh, ethne, is used of the Gentiles 93 times. Any Gentiles in here? Okay. <laughs> there may be a few Jewish people too. So I should, but, you know, it's like um, it's used 93 times for Gentiles. Well, I know a lot of Gentiles. That's who I need to be sharing the gospel to and going to. Uh, Nations, it's used 64 times. So basically, we're supposed to be sharing with the nations. And I think past, uh, Don Dent shared uh, that there were 15,000 nations or ethnic groups around the world that we're supposed to be going to. It was used of heathen five times. Know any heathen? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. And guess what? It's also used to describe people. Wow, that breaks it down. Do you know any people? And so the thing is, that's our responsibility, is to go to the people, 
okay? And we can look at it as ethnic groups or, or, or heathen or the lost or uh, Gentiles, but it's people, and we're supposed to be going and taking the, the message. Um, there's four verbs. There are four verbs in here. Go is one of them. Uh, and so, but th- as you look at it, make disciples is the one that's the imperative. That's like the command. So he's basically saying in here, the strong verb is make disciples. So you go to all the nations, make disciples. But then he breaks it down. How do you do that? By going. He, he goes going, baptizing, and teaching. And each one of these is a gerund or a, pa- a present participle. Okay, so each one of those is an action that is part of going and making disciples. And so that's what we're supposed to do. Um, we go. We're always going. We're representatives of Jesus. Second uh, Corinthians 5 says that we are ambassadors of Christ. Okay? We have received a commission. That's what he's commissioning us right here with this command that he's given to the entire church. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like if I have to go do a task, I want somebody to say, this is what you need to do. And then, and then I go do it. You know, it makes it a lot easier. And so I think he's given us a command. He's telling us what we need to go do, and then it makes it easy. I love this. I love the simplicity of it. Um, so we're supposed to be going. Uh, a lot of times we think Jesus is our co-pilot, you know, and we fly the plane, and we get into trouble, and then we say, okay, Jesus, you take over, you know, and then when everything's cool, we go, give me the yoke back, you know, and we put Jesus aside. You know what the truth is? Jesus is the pilot. We don't even need to be in the cockpit. I mean, we shouldn't be. We should be in the bathroom in the very back of the plane, you know. Hey, cool, you know. Let Jesus fly his thing because he's the one who's going to be doing it. We go. And so it's important, I think, it's a concept. When you think about this going, it's really important because a lot of times we're kind of stifled. We don't know what to do. The first thing is, is take that step. Take that first step because he's going to lead you, you know, to whatever it is. You may be going, uh, I'm, I'm afraid to go talk to my neighbor. Take that first step. You never know what's going to happen if you don't, you know. So going is one of the things we talk about a lot. Um, and I like, I love how this plays out because he says, you make disciples of all nations. You're baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is not a magic, you know, chant or anything like that. Uh, but basically, I think when you're baptizing somebody, you, they're baptized into the body of Christ. Uh, it, you can be looked at as membership of the church, you know. But the thing is, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are a lot of religions out there, you know, and they might talk about God, and we all go, well, there's a lot of roads, and they're all leading to heaven. But is their God the Father of the Son, Jesus Christ? Is there a trinity involved? You know, because there's a lot of religions that don't have that. And so I think what he's, he's doing here, he's setting this up. This is very clear, you know, what is the true religion? Who is the true God? It's God the Father, the Son, who has the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. You know, so it's, it's kind of clarifying things. So it makes our message really plain on top of it. Then it says, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Um, where is it? John, again, a lot of this is coming from John, but John fourteen fifteen it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, so he's basically going, teach, uh, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. He's basically going, teach them to love me, to obey me, 
to obey my commandments, to follow what I've got. And so basically what we're doing is we're taking this and multiplying it over and over and over. If, if you all sat here and you decided we're never going to share the gospel with anybody ever again, we'll all age out. I mean, the youngest person in here will, will turn 120 and pass away, and what will we have? Nothing. The thing is, we propagate this by sharing the gospel. You know, we have a project going in the middle of Madrid. It's called uh, the Almond Project. And the reason being is that the shape of the middle of Madrid is like an almond. So they call it La Almendra or the Almond. And we decided to take it and use it as the project's name, pro, uh, Project La Almendra, because the almond tree is the first to bloom every year. So it represents the resurrection. It blooms with a white flower, so it represents purity. And the almond tree, does, it has to be propagated by human hands carrying it from one place to another, just like the gospel. You know? And so the thing is, we need to be the ones taking that responsibility, going, sharing the gospel. We've been sent, and we need to be taking it out. And so he says, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love it. You guys sang about Emmanuel. And what does that mean? God with us. That's how Matthew started out. Well, guess what? Matthew ends the same way. And I'll be with you always. The God who is Emmanuel, the God with us, is there from the beginning to the end. You know, and there is no end, <laughs> so that's the good part. He's with us always. You know. Now, I wanted to show a few things. Like I said, this is a backbone, and I want to get into the, what we're doing in Madrid. So let's flip to the next slide. And I kind of broke it up into the four verbs in this, uh, in this scripture we just looked at. But we do disciples. We make disciples. That is the key thing. And we, we know that's why we're there. That's the imperative we've got. So what we've got in the picture here, can you all see that well? We can pass out binoculars if anybody. <laughs> no. But anyway, uh, these are a couple of the groups that we've got. There's a home Bible study and one of the groups with the ladies. Uh, my wife's been really good about this. She's, she does things with English classes, uh, crafts, uh, and then gets them gathered into Bible study programs and so that's that's where we're going uh we don't want to just go hey i'm over here and i'm going to teach them to play guitar and that's it or i'm going to teach them english and that's it or we're going to talk about you know uh, professional business ethics and that's it we want to get them into church we want to get them into god's word and so we're making disciples and that's the key thing that we've got you can go ahead and flip to the next one and one of the things we do as we make disciples, we also want to take them and, and have them minister together with us. Here's an example where we're going into some of the outlying little towns around Madrid and passing out flyers, talking to people on the street, sharing the gospel. We did this, this was probably a year, year and a half ago, and uh, right now there's a church that's been started in this little town of Torre Laguna, which is just outside of Madrid, just to the north. So when you look at Madrid, we've got the center. It's about uh, uh, three and a half million people. But when you go out to the edge of the province, uh, there's like seven million people. And there's 179 small towns, and most of these don't have churches. There's a lot of those small towns that are 10 to 20,000 that have no church. And so it's, it's one of the things where we're trying to start strong in the middle, but then send out, you know, just kind of extend out. Kind of like our Jerusalem is in Madrid, 
and they were trying to get out to the edge of the province. And then we've also targeted further out in Spain. Spain's divided up into 50 provinces, like the 50 states in the United States. Uh, 15 of those provinces don't have a church. They have capital cities there, but no, no Baptist church. And so that's another one of the projects that we've got. And so we're trying to find uh, churches that will sponsor those or take that responsibility. Um, I'm talking about churches nationally within Spain, but then also partnering with churches here in the United States. And I, I call you guys Team USA. You know, so, um, you know, we're trying to find churches that are willing to adopt like a town and be able to maybe go, maybe send somebody over. Exactly what you're doing, I think, there in the Philippines. I mean, that's fantastic with uh, the Medina family and how that's working out. That's what we're trying to do. So as you pray for us, pray about that, too. Uh, Go ahead and flip to the next one. We just celebrated 100 years with the Spanish Baptist Convention. Okay, and you go, wow, that's fantastic. 100 years is a long time. It took a while because Spain was, uh, it, we kind of describe it as cultivating concrete. <laughs> you know, have you ever had a hoe? <laughs> you know, it takes a while. It did take them a while. And so they have, there's a, a little over 200 uh, Baptist churches in the convention throughout the country. We have 21 in the province of Madrid, and we have three in the city of Madrid. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, you know, but, uh, but we're off to a good start. It, it, they've, it's 100 years they're celebrating right now. They're very excited. We're trying to capitalize on this momentum and, and partner them with churches here in the States to see what can be done as we go out into these different cities to try to share the gospel. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, flip to the next one there. So that was making disciples. Now we're going. Uh, here's a few examples of, of uh, us going to the park. Um, there's, there's my wife. What you, I think we're painting faces or working with the kids there. We gathered up a lot, of, uh, a lot of contacts there at the park. And the thing is, it's a postmodern country. Um, postmodernism is all over the world now. But Spain is one of those countries that went from traditional, it skipped modernism, and jump straight to postmodernism. So it's, it's been there for a long time. And one of the things with postmodernism is that your truth is your truth. It might not be my truth, but it's your truth. So what does it take to get people to listen to the message that we've got? They have to like you. That's part of the postmodern thing. So what we try to do is go out and try to be joyful, you know, it's like, nobody wants a sour push, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I'll just have fun with this guy, you know, so no, <laughs> so we want to have fun, you know, maybe I joke too much sometimes, but you know, we try to have fun, because we know that breaks down the barriers, if they like you, they'll listen to what you have to say, and so we, we try to do it, and go out and do things that kind of make it joyful, that they see, oh, they're not weirdos, because one of the things that has happened in Spain is that a lot of uh, crazy groups have come in, and so the news has broadcast those on, on TV, and, and they're doing crazy things, you know, and barking like dogs, and, you know, f- flying around the room, and stuff like that, and so they go, well, that's an evangelical, and we're going, no, 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 we, I'm an evangelical, and they go, you, you know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a Baptist, we like talking about being Baptist, because they don't know what they are, What's a Baptist? And we get a chance to start with a clean slate. And then we kind of go from there. You know, so these are things that we can do. And then teaching English is one of those. And as you can see, we've got masks. And so we were teaching English during COVID. And guess what? 
COVID was a blessing and a half. It, I think what it did is it got people out of themselves. Uh, it made them start to think and ask questions, important questions about who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going to go? You know, it had a good impact. And so even during COVID, uh, we started teaching English classes. What happened is we rented this building and uh, COVID started and we ripped the floors out. Uh, we had buckets of paint. COVID started and we could not even go to the building for three months. And so once it cleared, they said, well, you can have four people go to a building. So what we did is we took four people, we laid the tile on the floor, we painted the place, and then we got four people, what can we do? Oh, let's do English classes. So we started having English classes, one teacher, three students, and then they upped it to six students, or six people. And so we, we gradually grew until we had it to 14. And so what happened during that time is we got a church planted. And so we, we, it got going well enough that we were able to turn it over to uh, Spanish nationals who are now in there uh, running this church. There's a mother church involved, uh, two Spaniards that are leading it. And uh, we're just going, praise the Lord. It wasn't our timing. Uh, we wouldn't have done it that way. But, but God worked out all the details. And it's, again, it's, he's flying the plane, you know. We just have to get out of the way sometimes. So we've moved on to a couple more. You can pass it to the next uh, slide. Oh, this is another thing here. Uh, park, kids, uh, just have fun, you know. And they get to know you. And we share the message. You can go to the next one. Adrian, how did you get in there? Yeah, this, this was really cool. You know, one of the things is we think, we think, what can I do, you know? It's like, I don't have any skills, talents, gifts. I don't have anything. What can I do? Well, here's a guy. He played football at one of the universities, and uh, he said, I'm going to start doing clinics. And so, yeah, he shows up. I mean, he's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you know, weighs like, you know, 250 pounds, 300 pounds. He's all muscle, and he's, he's, he starts a clinic. So it's in the park. We did it in the middle of the city, and then the thing grew all week long. We kept adding people because they're walking, they're seeing it. Um, you know, we're throwing the ball like, ah, go out, you know, and and it's like the person who's going to receive the balls over there where the pastor is, and we go and throw the ball to somebody over there, you know, because they're sitting over in the park, and then they bring it back, or they try to throw it, like, you know, because they're soccer players, you know, sorry. <laughs> but we say, hey, we've got a little tournament, we're going to have a clinic, and we're going to teach you how to play some football. It worked out great. So what I'm saying, each one of you has some skills, you know, talents, uh, passions, gifts, that you can use, you know. Anybody here speak English? <laughs> I mean, that's a given, you know. Anybody here like to eat? Yeah, come on, you know. Anybody sing? Some of us shouldn't, you know. I even offend myself when I sing. You know, it's really bad. So, um, but the thing is, each one of us has a gift. You know, what is it that you do? Do you do you sing? Do you, uh, um, do, you do you lead a choir? Can you bring a choir over and do something special? An orchestra? Uh, do you play guitar? Um, do you draw? I do caricatures. You know, that was one thing that worked early on. I would just go sit up in a plaza and draw people, you know, and, and uh, it just started conversations. But every one of us has something that we can do, you know, and so God can use you. God can use you. Um, let's go to the next one. Oh, remember I was saying, people sometimes go, I can't do anything. What do I do? Well, I don't know anybody. Uh, who am I going to share with? 
Well, so what we do is when, when we hear that, we say, okay, put your name in the middle of the piece of paper, draw a circle around it. Who do you know? Okay, and, well, I don't know anybody. Okay, do you have any family? Oh, yeah, you know. Uh, do you go to school? Oh, yeah, okay. Students, who, who's, who are your friends at school? Um, who do you see at the grocery store? Oh, yeah, I guess see that every day, you know, at the fruit market. Or, you know, and all of a sudden, you start to realize, okay, these are excuses. I don't know anybody. You know a lot of people. This took five minutes to draw out, and, we re- and it, c- it could go on. And then we started to realize that if we do this as a group, w- our, our team started to say, oh, I know that guy too. So we started building multiple bridges to people that we were trying to reach. So it was not only me sharing the gospel, but it was also uh, Salva. It was also, uh, you know, Adrian or Stefan or all these different people sharing the gospel. And you know what? If you're sharing it by yourself, sometimes it's limiting. It works. But if you can build more bridges to people, uh, they know we are Christians by our love of who? The enemy? No, of each other. So when they see you interacting with other believers, they go, well, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. And that's really how they're going to know that we're believers. So we try to build multiple bridges. This is just a tool. And I would recommend, honestly, that everyone do this at least once. Take a blank piece of paper, put your name in the middle, circle it. Who do you know? You would be surprised. And it might be that, hey, that's your new prayer list for this week or this month. And you never know what God's going to do at that point. Yeah, go ahead and flip to the next. Oh, this is a result. <laughs> Who do you know? Um, Sally had this great idea. She used to be a counter manager or manager at Macy's, and one of the things she worked her way up through was counter ma- manager for cosmetics for Christian Dior. So she said, well, I, why don't I do something over there for the ladies? And so she put out a, a, a deal, uh, flyers and things, invited late, 40 ladies showed up. You know, we were back in the States for a a week for something, and I remember having to buy all these different cosmetic products, and I'm going, how are we going to smuggle all these, like, (laughs) eyeliners? What do I need 120 eyeliners for, you know? And it's in my suitcase, you know? It's like, okay, a weirdo, you know? But anyway, we got all this stuff back, and um, so she did this thing, and like I said, we don't just do it to uh, teach guitar, teach English, have cosmetics. They, they had facials and stuff. It was kind of weird. But it, <laughs> I don't know, masks, they called it. And I go, good thing, because now nobody knows who's behind that mask, because it was like weird. But anyway, <laughs> so, but anyway, she announced during that time, she says, look, I'm going to start a Bible study. If anyone would like to come, here's a sign-up sheet at this event. And this event was held uh, in, what, the basement or the salon of a hotel. So it was off-site. And uh, seven ladies signed up and started a Bible study group just because of this one event. Interesting, you know? You never know what you can do. What skills do you have? What skill set do you have? What talents? What passion? What do you love to do? Go do it. You never know who you can connect with. Yeah, go ahead and flip to the next one there. Ah, baptizing. I love this. Uh, Two stories here. One is Tony, the guy on the far right, okay? Uh, He was the landlord of a building we rented to plant the church. 
And so this was, it was an old um, restaurant and it had like this machinery and st- I mean, and stoves and things. And I remember we're pulling it out and we invited a team to come from the States. Well, they brought a guy who was six foot eight, basketball player named Sage, super strong. Another guy, six foot one, he's there. We got all these people. And so we're moving this junk out basically. And he's watching us do it because there was like a half inch of grease on the top of one of these stoves. And when we tipped it over to carry it out, we're going, there's like dead lizards up here. (laughs) They got stuck in the grease and died. (laughs) You know, it was bad. So anyway, Tony is the landlord, and he watched all of this. He'd come by all the time, check us out, make sure things were going really well. He's the first person to come to Christ in that church plant. And so I remember discipling him. And about six months into the discipleship process, uh, we were over at their house, and I asked Tony, I said, Tony, what was it that really helped you to make that decision for Christ? And he said, Steve, honestly, it was watching you guys clean that place up, repaint and everything. He says, you had such joy. And so Tony was there next to his wife, and she's over there, and she goes, it wasn't the joy, it was the peace. You know, and I'm going, going, okay, poor Tony. But anyway, um, but I remember thinking, that's what connects, and then we're going, joy, peace, hmm, remind you of anything? We're off to a good start. Fruit of the Spirit. And so that kind of became what we started doing. We wanted lives that represented and showed the fruit of the Spirit because that's what people are seeing. And so uh, I think Jesus was probably the number one fruit of the Spirit guy. You want to see what the fruit of the Spirit lived out is like? Look at Jesus. And that's what we want to be like is, is him, you know. Uh, let's go ahead. Oh, and the second story, I've got to tell you this one. See the lady in the yellow dress? Salva led her to the Lord. But this was interesting. We had this new locale or this building that we started and we had the English classes uh Salva did craft classes there well this lady lived right across the street and I, I remember telling Salva one time there's some lady over there and she goes in the front door and it's an apartment complex she goes in and there's mailboxes okay so she opens the front door goes in and then she looks back across the street she's staring at our church And then she's like opening up her mailbox and she's just there looking at mail. I'm going, yeah, come on, how much mail do you have? 15 minutes worth? No, she's spying on us. Okay, so Salva puts out these flyers for a craft event that she's doing, like um, uh, scrapbooking. So she invites uh, all the people in the neighborhood. Guess who shows up? Uh, Miriam. And so she's she's one of the visitors. And first thing she tells Salva when she gets in, she's going, she's going, I'm an atheist. You know, and so she says, and uh, I just want to let you know up front that I am never going to become whatever you are. And so a little bit later, Sal was talking to one of her sidekicks, Lori, who's on our team. And she says, watch her be the first one. Well, sure enough. Okay, Miriam comes to Christ. Salva disciples her. Um, and then we go to another church plant. Salva had discipled her, and then she contacts Salva, and she says, look, I've continued the scrapbooking because I'm using it as an evangelistic outlet, <clears throat> you know, in the church there. And so it, it's really cool because we train people, and, uh, and we pass that on. They continue working. She was also the first baptized person in that, uh, that church plant. You know, so it's exciting what's, what's happening. So, so what's, what, what's left? We've gone uh, make disciples, going, baptizing. What, let's flip through to the next one. Oh, teaching. 
You can't do without that. Um, I've been watching your guys' videos. You are blessed. You have an awesome teacher. I mean, Pastor Kendrick, I'm going to start watching. I'm going to copy a bunch of your messages, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, there's no plagiarism. There's nothing new under the sun, right? Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> but you, you're, you guys are blessed with a good teacher, you know. So, man, uh, I, I love it. So the thing is, teaching is key. It's vital. And so what we've got here. Uh, the, the guy in the, the pink shirt next to the lady in the blue, that's uh, Isaac and Ethel. And they are the ones that we're currently mentoring right now. Uh, he's a third-year student at the seminary, um, and she's a nurse. And so the, they, he wants to be a pastor. So we're, we're mentoring him and, uh, and hoping to work with him in the future in a church plant. But he's so talented, so gifted, I'm afraid somebody's going to steal him away. But anyway, so pray that we can continue working with him. The guy in the red shirt with his wife, that's uh, Hui, uh, Rui, he goes by Roy in the States, and Joanna. And, and uh, we, we had him, we mentored him, and uh, we just got through ordaining him. Uh, into the pastorate. And so now he's taken over one of the church plants. And so teaching is vital. And so we do it at all levels. It's, it's one-on-one, it's discipleship, it's in groups. Uh, you can flip to the next slide. Um, the seminary there is that larger picture. And so we do, we volunteer to go to the seminary. Uh, we do chapel services there. Um, we connect. The seminary is really solid when it comes to theology, but we're going man, we got to help you guys with the practical side because a lot of these people go, their heads just get, you know, and, but we, we want to give them the practical side of ministry. And so we invite them to come. Uh, we sponsor them, actually. It takes about 200 euros, a little over $200 a month to have a seminary student at your church plant. And so we do that. Uh, we do a lot of things. We have one of, our, uh, one of our team members is also teaching hermeneutics there at the seminary. And then another one of our guys is actually working in the library. So we want to have influence in theological education because teaching is what keeps that sound doctrine sound. And so it's really important. Then we have home Bible studies like in the smaller picture all over the city. And our goal is just to keep spreading that. So when we get back, that's what we're going to really focus on. Get people into God's word. Okay. Oh, there it goes. (laughs) I I don't even have to say anything. These guys are good. (laughs) So what we've got here is more teaching. This is Salva teaching evangelism with the three circles in one of the groups. And then uh, we also do some things on world views because a lot of people, they go, their worldview may be different than our worldview. We have teams come over and we go through worldview because their worldview may not be a biblical worldview that translates well. And what am I talking about? (laughs) It's like everybody's going, worldview, what? The basics of life. You know, we look at things differently. When we were in Brazil, uh, they would never tell you, I can't show up. Uh, They would say, yeah, I'll be there. And then they wouldn't come because they don't want to lose face in front of you. We had to realize that's part of their worldview. They honored being nice to you more than actually honoring the promise they made. And so it's a struggle. You come in with a worldview from the States, you're going, oh, I just got lied to. No, that's not what it was at all. It was just understanding where they're coming from. And it's the same when you go to any country. You just have to understand, you know, you you live among them. Learn about them. Uh, Learn to love them. 
you know? If, if you don't love the people that you go to minister to, whether it's your next door neighbor here or somebody at work or across the sea, you're never gonna reach them. So that's a key thing. Um, let's go to the next slide there. And I think we're gonna wrap it up with this one, okay? And, and uh, got it here somewhere. But we make disciples how? By going by baptizing and teaching. Uh, we do it in Jerusalem. We do it in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And I put E equals MC squared, you know. I don't know that I could explain the theory of relativity, <laughs> but I do know E equals MC squared because we condensed that down and made it simple. Um, I like the, the KISS rule, you know. Uh, keep it simple, <laughs> I'm glad my name starts with an S. <laughs> keep it simple, Steve. Uh, keep, keep it simple, silly. I don't know. Uh, you know. But the thing is, make it simple. We complicate things. You know, but if we look at these, these things here, just go. Take that first step. You know? One of our plans strategically when we first got there and that we tell teams is like, get ready, you know, get dressed, get cleaned up. Uh, you know, go to your front door, pray, and then go. You don't know what God's got in store for you. And that's how it is. So we do a lot of strategic things, but we, we do that. So, so just go out and pray. And I hope that these biblical principles that, that you've seen happen in Madrid are things that maybe you want to try here. But I also know there's a lot of things that I'm seeing you guys do that we want to try over there. I think we learn from each other because our God is everywhere. He is Emmanuel. He's everywhere, every day, in all places. And I just want to finish with this Beatles song. No, <laughs> here, there, and everywhere. I always think about that, you know. And most of the young people are going, huh? You know, <laughs> the old, the, those of us that are older, I think this song came out in 1966, so that, you know, dates a bunch of us. But here, there, and everywhere. And that's what, that's what God is doing. These principles work. You know, this commandment that he's given us, this great commission, was given to us, 8,000 miles away from here, uh, 2,000 years ago, you know, and it's still valid for all of us today. So let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for all that you're doing. I thank you for everyone who's here, Lord. Thank you for their love for you, their love for each other, their love for the lost. And I just pray, Father, that as we consider this message yet once again, I know they've heard it before, but Lord, I just pray that you would just help us to take it to heart and that, Lord, we would go out and we would be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And Father, we just thank you for all of these things and all that you're gonna do in and through us, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.